0: Welcome to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's got a few overdue library finds to deal with. I'm Alex.
2: When the lights go out, what thoughts are you left with? A word misspoke? Something unsaid, or perhaps that copy of the Westing game that you were like, oh shit, did I return it, or did I leave it up (laughs) at the lake house I was staying at with my uncle? Or Oh no, this is going to come back and bite me in the ass. I'm Justin.
0: I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 6, Episode 13, Chapter 108, Ex Libris and the Westing Game. That is a name I have not heard in a very long time. Love Deep it, Cut.
2: Though. Uh, I love that book when I was a so kid. It's so good. Tell me a lot I don't about know what mystery. you're talking
3: about. Oh, yes,
2: because book. what books did you read as a child, Pete? Um, picture well, remember, books mostly. Pete was Catching.
0: raised on Bughead. So what did they give you as material? <laughs> <laughs> right. It
3: was all romance stories, you know? Oh, nice. nice. Yeah.
0: Well, why don't we do a little bit of recap before we get to this episode? The broad strokes of what you need to know is there's a guy named Percival Pickens, a.k.a. P.P., who has P. been taken over the town of Riverdale. <laughs> bit by bit, he has become mayor ah. of the town while a deadly fog was taking over last episode, and he also has (laughs) mind control powers, among other things that seem to be going on, maybe he's Satan, maybe he's not, we don't exactly know, and we explore that a little bit more this episode, meanwhile, everybody else in town is slowly getting powers, including Archie, who is invulnerable, Betty can see evil auras, Jughead can hear people's thoughts, Cheryl can start fires, and Veronica... Dot, 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 to be continued later on. Oh, I think we know what's up. <laughs>
3: and Tabitha can time travel.
0: And Tabitha can time travel, and Tabitha can also travel to Albany, which is where she was this episode.
3: Uh, well, just, I have a bone to pick with that.
2: Pronounced yeah. Albany in this show, which I think us upstate say, say boys, know it's Albany. Yeah, Albany. It's Albany. Albany. Right. It's, it's I've always been
3: it. Albany. <laughs> Yeah. So
2: Jughead, better luck next time. Why don't you give your guys a call and we can walk you through uh, Racha-Cha, um, Salt City, Syracuse, uh, Utica, and of course, Albany. All Utica, great places. bro.
3: Utica. Don't no, say I Utica. Know, oh, Jesus. I know. Jesus. Utica. Killing <laughs> me.
0: What are you, one of those wise guys playing poker with yeah, Reggie? exactly. Hey, Utica. I went up to Utica hey, this weekend. Hey, go to Utica, hey. In any case, just to also talk about a few couples that are happening right now, because that plays pretty big into this episode. The big cliffhanger at the end of the last episode is Betty and Archie maybe were pregnant. They were left looking at a pregnancy test. We don't know exactly what's going on there. Also, in their separate storylines, Archie is teaching the RROTC over at Riverdale High. Meanwhile, Betty is trying to find the whereabouts of TBK, the trash bag killer, somebody who tortured her. In a well for weeks at a time before letting her go, we got a little bit of a dangling plotline last episode about a woman who escaped from TBK, or rather is let go the same way Betty was, which we pick up a little bit here and get more into. Also, probably important to know in case you've forgotten from a couple of seasons back, Betty's father, Hal Cooper, was the Black Hood, a notorious serial killer in Just Riverdale. A
3: f- friendly reminder, you yeah. know. Just a little yeah. reminder,
0: no particular reason. Just bring that yeah. up there. Just,
2: Just so say you, you should know. remember
3: that part. Mm-hmm. Was,
2: do we have a personal connection to
3: that guy at all? Is there any Pete? Pete? I don't know why you're looking at me, man sucking on a cheesesteak sucking on a cheesesteak Yeah. no i know what you're referencing i just don't want to deal with it oh okay all right fair enough
2: well we should explain to the listener because that's no, there's uh,
3: no need they they are <laughs> either with us or they're not you don't need to you don't need to if you
2: just say the phrase sucking on a cheesesteak and i got it's understood that my, people might not know exactly what we're talking about that's what you call
0: a non second. We bought a cameo from Lachlan Monroe for Pete for, was it the season three finale or season four finale? I honestly don't even remember at this point, but he, we told him a couple of details about Pete, and one of them is that he really likes cheesesteaks and Lachlan Monroe said, Whatever you're doing, hope you're enjoying yourself sucking on a cheesesteak.
2: <laughs> it truly what is. What a what
3: incredible.
0: a reach. What a move on his part.
3: So uh, that's a that guy is a professional and he makes good choices.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what, he may not kill people in real life, but he sure killed that cheesesteak for oh, so moving on to Consider a couple of other characters. <laughs> Jughead was briefly homeless for a little while and bonded with a homeless guy named Doc. Now we'll come back to this later. And I'm going to give props to Pete in a second. So just hold on there. But oh, a wow. couple of episodes back, Percival cleared the homeless population out of Sketch Alley, including Doc. They disappeared. We were told they were all loaded onto a bus and taken to a new town to nope. live. Uh, Pete predicted this, kind of, uh, so we'll get into that in a moment. And uh, another couple we should talk about, Veronica and Reggie broke up in a very relatively calm way the last episode, but it sort of blows up here. Meanwhile, there's a guy named Geraldo who has, I believe was her grandmother's. Right, the man who uh, Veronica has been using as well in various capacities. Our Abuelita. She, she uses him in another capacity in this episode. Oh, but yeah. come on. You know what
2: I'm talking about. That's a game over. Harold, no, because this
0: guy's oh. out of here. Oh, and also Cheryl. Cheryl has firepower. She is pyrokinetic. And we have also been reintroduced to the concept of Heather, the girl she first fell in love with, or at least had a crush on back in We've junior been high do- school. It, who talking mom, a lot about her. We have been talking a lot about her, and she is going to pop up. I I don't remember if we talked about this last episode, but they officially announced the casting for Heather. It's a woman named Caroline Day, who's been in a bunch of things over the years, and she is going to pop up down the road. A little bit of a spoiler, potentially, but apparently she lives in Greendale, if
3: that gives you an indication where things are going to go. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, and the one other
0: thing that we should probably talk about here that is a pretty big deal is back in season one, Archie, when we were first introduced in the first episode, was, and I say this very generously because I'm very negative about this, but was having an affair with Mrs. Grundy, Miss Grundy, excuse me, the music teacher, Uh, it is something that he has never uh, completely dealt with throughout the history of the show, specifically being statutory raped by his teacher. They've sort yeah. of slow-plated and downplayed it a little bit. We actually get into this uh, it, this episode, which, uh, not to editorialize too much, was great to see. So there's probably yeah. a lot of other things to talk about here. Oh, Kevin, we should also mention Kevin, has reignited a thing with Moose Mason, who is back in town, poor, PE teacher. Uh, but poor things Kevin. go. Sadly for
3: him once again so they, God damn right. it. Please stop this guy. hurting Kevin mm-hmm. And he gets stop so close to a win
0: He gets so close to a win So close
2: Now Turns
3: into an L
0: I want to throw this out first Before we get into the meat of the episode Lots of legitimately scary things Happened here in this episode yeah. Lots of horror movie tropes But the absolute scariest thing to me The idea mm. of somebody coming after you For not returning a library book literal lifelong fear. Like, I,
3: I have, what? Really? have you guys. That's what you want to kind of scratch across absolutely. the. Absolutely. I the would never, the record? never
0: not return a library book. Never. Do you guys okay, have, well, have, are there library books that you guys haven't returned? Uh, no. Uh, but uh, there, um, there I, I might be know. a blockbuster this video, is, video is or, is or a something. This is by the way. This y- is yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. What do you, um, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, mean, I that's was the whole just point though. Like
0: <laughs> I understand the episode wouldn't have worked without it, but the idea that everybody is like, "Yeah, I kept everyone these had books. a library overdue book," horrifying.
2: Uh, I, uh, everyone had a very emblematic uh, library yes. book that was um, emblematic of their <clears> personality. <throat> which, as a as a device for this episode, I thought was great. It was funny to me. Like I, I like the wait, way they wait, played wait, it. Wait it,
3: wait 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 wait. We can't get into the. We got to back up the truck for a little bit here and and deal with the fact that Zelvin has a fear of library books. <laughs> That's because funny. no, I don't have a fear of, of library books. I have a fear
0: of. Forgetting to return a library book, right, right. and then sorry, the library being to, for, disappointed in for time,
3: me. I was just, I was just kind of pulling it together yeah, sure. a little bit. Because a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Zelbin got a scholarship from the library per release, and that's how he got into Cornell. Mm. And uh, he mm. was responsible for that library at Cornell, and we all know is famously huge. And that's a lot of books to keep track of. So I could see how the, you know, the personal nightmare of people not returning library books would really affect I know you're joking, but I did actually work at the library a couple of summers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In,
2: In college or in your hometown?
0: In my hometown. In my hometown. Not at college. When you say work uh, uh, at the
2: library, what is that? Are you reshelving? What are you doing? Do we decimal updates? Uh, No,
0: I actually, I was computer help at the library. So I sat at the main help desk and I would help people if they had problems with the computers. But it was also a great opportunity to read a ton of books. Uh, And coincidentally to this episode, not only did I read all of Isaac Asimov's books, like everything that we Mm -hmm. had in the library. I was super obsessed with it over one of the summers. But I used that opportunity. We had a, a spinner rack. Of cheap paperbacks, and so this mm-hmm. was the summer where I was like, "I guess I'll read Flowers in the Attic. See what the big deal is with that." So
3: Ooh. there you go. Not a great book. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> like how you called the paperbacks cheap. You know that? That's no, an but they're like you know like the yeah. Like the, the bottom rung, like the chintzy, like, Ooh, oh. isn't this a
0: saucy little book type things? You know what I mean? saucy
2: <laughs> I, Saucy I know. Isaac Asimov? There's a, a lot of Isaac Asimov, but the
0: flowers of the attic and all the V.C. Andrews stuff.
2: It's interesting to me that you worked at the library. Yet you're still terrified that you've got a loose book there. And that they, how dare fact, you up, like
3: grade and rate books on you know just because it's not a you know a hard hardbound or defending whatever flowers in the
0: attic right now is that what you're doing I, No, I've it's defending never read paperbacks. that book.
3: I don't know who whatever author you said either was, but I'm just saying that like oh, I'll you tell know, you what I've dug you for a while, back. right, Pete.
0: Yeah, just real quick while we're talking here, look up a Wikipedia summary of Flowers of the Attic, then tell me if you're going to still defend the book.
3: I'm not defending the book. I'm defending the fact that there are some paperbacks uh, that you think are just, you know. Yeah, Pete's hardcovers have had it too good for too long. Yeah, He's exactly. down with thinner no, cards. Listen,
0: I'm also not slagging them off. There's a level of paperbacks that are like dime store novels, and that's what yeah. they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be. Cheap thrills, cheap crime thrillers. You read them, you're like, ooh, that gave me like a little jolt to my heart.
3: I'm excited about you know, it. I didn't get like a lot of intel- You know, they spent, they sacrificed hours of their life Again. to put together this thing. And I think just... the issue
2: here is there are two types of people: hardcovers and paperbacks. And Alex, I think you're a hardcover. Mm-hmm. Right. And Pete and I are a couple of paperbacks here, just trying <laughs> to hang, trying to hang up.
0: That's right. You fair know, enough. try not enough. to get I'll try, judged. Uh, I'll try to loosen my spine if you know what I'm talking about. Well, oh, Again, wow. loosen up. That's fine. Let's wow. take a. Couple of
2: layers out of that uh, binding and get get yeah, loose, buddy. Get loose.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, um, why don't we? Uh, go anyway, ahead.
2: you need to grow up and have some real fears besides leaving a library. <laughs> yeah, book. Exactly. Well, what, what did you guys think about the
0: episode? The world were you, is on fire, and
3: you you're worried about beyond
0: like, beyond the library book stuff. What did you think about the scares of this episode? Because I thought they were pretty good.
3: Okay. Well, uh, before I want to I want to talk about the fact that Jughead found out that. Most of the homeless population was forced to walk across the country against their will. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I need a couple of books. Um, (laughs) I know uh, my friend was forced to walk from New York to California um. Yeah, but I'm not going to say that I care or concerned or. Well, I, his hands name. are falling apart at the same time, Pete. Yeah. When he yeah, pulled I, that fingernail off. He could have at least been like, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. That's horrible. Um, I guess we shouldn't have taken PP for his word since he's a giant villain that we're dealing with so casually is driving us all insane. Jughead's plan is just to sit around and wait. You fucking assholes. This guy is killing you. One by one, yeah. taking you down. And you guys are like, we're just gonna going to wait a and lot see of what stuff he does.
2: <laughs> well, he, I, first off, I think the issue with Percival as a villain is he's so far ahead of them, they're paralyzed with how to act, and they're also not cooperating enough. So they're going through everything in an isolated fashion, and they need to get together. That's why I think the message of this They're
3: meetings. They're just doing it so slowly and so sporadically. But, it's driving me crazy.
2: But I think they need to learn their lesson, and I think they will. And on the part about Doc walking across the country, maybe it was a Forrest Gump situation. And he was like, oh,
0: so like fun,
3: like a fun, like thing. fun, yeah. I'm, I'm I, I would say.
0: It yeah, wasn't I Forrest Allure.
3: Gump. He has mind powers, and they made him walk across the country. Made him walk across the country and also briefly stop at a bookshop to drop off some books and sell
0: them.
2: Yeah. And then well, live in in Venice Beach near a payphone. Like, very nice. It sounds like Doc's <laughs>
3: doing alright. You guys are fucking assholes, man. I hope somebody makes you walk across the country. Well, I'll say, I mean, I a credit to you, Pete, who did call that
0: he didn't actually load them on a bus, so that's different. But as we're saying, maybe it wasn't so Bad, and additionally, this episode what Percival really does is he makes everybody face their trauma, you know, and that's the first step what? in getting past wow. it. So, ultimately, I think Percival's doing a really good job oh. in the town of Riverdale, and uh, I really support him. Yeah, take P- it oh, easy, Betty's mom over here. What
2: the yeah, fuck? just like a hardcover book to be back in PP, you know what I'm talking about, paperback. Oh
0: my god. <laughs> PB Pee- Pee- B- Pee- B- back. B- back in PP. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. oh,
2: Pee- B- <laughs> <laughs> you're, no, you're HC. PB anti PP. Right. Okay. HC loving PP. Um, <laughs> great. That was just a series of nonsensical things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pronounced Albany. Uh, the thing I would say about uh, the horror of the episode is Jughead taking his fingernail off. Don't like. No, no. <laughs> no not no. here for it. I did not like his hand injuries and I didn't the like how casually. was
3: hilarious.
2: I mean, Hilarious. it was fun. It was a fun Ugh. thing to happen to him as a metamorphosis. I like that it didn't have him just become a bug, um, become a uh, cockroach Turned like the, the Franz, Kafka, Franz oh. Kafka story that he uh, took out of the library. But it was it was horrifying in the right way where it was something he could deal with and still function with, but was gross to see.
0: And Pete, you had to hate, I imagine, the Cheryl scare moment with Heather under the blanket, right? Oh, Where she that hears was the so laughing creepy. and goes
3: towards it. Yeah, that was just like, but the thing is, Cheryl is, uh, you know, like a. a super person now. So I can understand her confidence, but I was like, Cheryl, when you see the outline of a human uh, sitting on your bed, you don't pull off the, you don't get closer and then slowly pull off the, uh, the sheet. Um, But that was the classic Cheryl though, cut right through and was like flowers in the attic. Indeed. That was hilarious. I mean, she did a great job of cutting through that tension. Uh, So a little Cheryl being Cheryl uh, really made up for that intense thing. But I was like, run, get out of there. What are you talking about? That's creepy child noises. There's nothing ever good comes from creepy child noises.
2: As a parent, I agree. But let me throw out there something real quick. Uh, So across the board, like I thought this episode was great. I really like the dynamic um, of the group coming together and dealing with everything and Cheryl being over it slash knowing exactly what needs to happen. Um, that's a much better dynamic than Cheryl hating everyone and trying to kill them that we had earlier this season. Um, and I really liked that. Like you touched on this, Alex, like the way that the core four is confronting their issues in a real way. Like Betty has some revelations here. Um, Archie, I thought his story was great. This episode was trying to deal with the trauma he had earlier in his life. Um, I feel like Jughead. It was less It was less about trauma and more about just like sort of taking ownership of his fears, uh, mm-hmm. like legacy fears from yeah, his grandfather. As a writer,
3: that was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah,
2: Veronica. I feel like it's a relationship. The way she relates to people, she always needs to be around someone. But now her sort of power of murdering who she kisses takes them away instantly. She, she has close kiss to kiss of death.
3: It's, yeah, kiss yeah. of
2: death, bro. What yeah. are
3: you fucking talking about?
0: The, the Veronica thing was interesting, I mean, while we're jumping around here, because, like you said, she's not dealing with it in the same way as everybody else. And I do think it's a very Veronica way. I liked it, but yeah, Pete, what?
3: I just what well, he started off by saying like how he felt about the episode in a whole and then got into it. And I just you know, I would appreciate if you followed suit. <laughs> <Whoa>. Who's being <laughs> a hardcover now, man?
2: Yeah, yeah that's a, you know what? You might be a hardcover with a, one of those like yeah, soft Pete's covers right over top of it, Pete.
0: Pete's right. We should kind of walk through this and start with Barchi and how we felt about that and about the Betty Archie relationship, because that's where the episode starts. Right, Pete? That's what you were saying. Uh, Whatever Kings,
3: Albin, whatever. All right, fine. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, However you want to do it. We Uh, are three kings.
0: I thought this conversation was very good at the beginning of the episode, by the way, Uh, with Betty and Archie. We certainly speculated about whether they would be positive or negative. I was surprised it was a negative test, but me too. uh, um, I thought, wait, the not after was,
3: their faces, right? After you saw their faces looking at the stick. It was uh, clear. Even at it the wasn't... end of the last episode. But yeah, well, we exactly. disagreed
0: about it on the podcast is what I'm saying. Yeah, we had so, a conversation. <laughs> regardless, they find out it's negative. They have a conversation. Because it was kind clear of in the last because episode. because of her parents, which is something that ties in overall to everything that's going on with her, with her memories, with Hal in this episode. And Archie, though, is disappointed. He feels like the baby would have been a light in the darkness, a theme that we've seen Which a lot. beautifully and, uh, said. And he talks about his dad being the best dad. Uh, what would you guys think about the scene? You liked it, though.
3: Well, i I just like to start off by saying that the, the the episode as a whole, I thought, you know, like I'm a fan of Riverdale, what's happening. I was a little let down because I feel like for the last couple of episodes, we We're slowly trying to come together to fight, uh, um, you know, this evil PP. And um, and also the fact that we didn't have Tony or Tabitha in this Mm -hmm. episode also was painful because we need more people. We need more heads. So it was stuff that we were down to and then we lost to. But I think that this was a great representation of who Betty and Archie are and also why they don't work together. Because Archie, looking at the bright side, being very much like, this is exactly what we need in our life. Like, we're surrounded by this darkness, and we need a bright light. And, you know, Betty, concerned because she's like, you know, I have a murderous bloodline, and this is kind of a relief because, you know, I'd like to maybe have a better plan moving forward, uh, I thought was a, a great kind of realization that – um They're two people uh, maybe not meant for each other because the somebody who's going to be with Betty needs to embrace the dark side uh, a little bit more of Betty. But also the fact that, like, um, I I just felt like later on in the episode, Archie, like, wasn't going to tell Betty what was going on. You know, it was kind of like, I don't want to talk about. What mm-hmm. I saw, you know what I mean? Well, So, so, so just, just a quick note on that, because
0: I thought there was a really interesting turn of phrase they used, and I understand what you're saying, Pete. But in that scene, Archie basically says he's not ready to talk about it yet. Right. So I mean, it's, I not, he, it's not lying. It's not avoiding it. I think later on, he was like, um, I didn't tell you. I'm sorry. I lied about it or something along those lines. And that's he, not he actually, that's not actually what he did, yeah. which I thought was really... A good way of doing it, because he's being forced to face this trauma with Gruddy really for the first time in a real way over the course of six seasons. Um, so I thought that was a very realistic reaction there, to be frank,
2: and something that he maybe he well, was talking I about. When it. He it would be Alex when he said, "Wow, uh, when nice one." Uh, when he said um, he was lying, maybe he was talking about the way it's made him feel for all of this time. Like, I feel like it's something he's sort of hidden from all of his friends and it was mm-hmm. hiding at the time when it was happening. So that may have been what it was. Um, but g- talking about the first scene, like uh, Pete, yes, they may be different, but I would reference um, uh, DJ, um, uh, scat cat and Paula Abdul with opposites attract. Cause I think they do. And I think it's working here. Um, you know,
3: I would have really believed you if you didn't have to look down at your notes to see uh, who you were there are, no <laughs> there are no notes here. There are no notes here. There are no notes here. I looked down in my brain. Oh, you looked man, down in your <laughs> brain. You were like, <laughs> DJ, DJ scat cat. Like I was not like, not are you going to say? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Not Penny's boat. Um, because I, I thought this conversation was really good. Um, they, but, I was surprised. Well,
3: wait, 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 wait. wait. To, let's talk about what you just said for a second. Opposites do attract But that, that's not a relationship that you can, you know, you know, a lot of the times those, they don't last, you know what I mean? You're not building a lasting, you know, you have an initial connection and how it works from there. You know, that's anybody's game. We 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 wish you you the best, but I'm just saying. Before
0: we get into an argument or anything like that, Pete, I think you've established your point for the counterpoint. Let's go to Justin.
2: Nice. Great. Great. Thank you, Frank. The I'm just saying, like it does work out um, sometimes. Though um, people can have different qualities and still be in a relationship. Otherwise, we'd all be dating um, clones of ourselves. Ooh, that sounds nice.
0: Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> what? Uh, what sorry, wow. dude, What did you say? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Uh, big big I thought reveal. this conversation you was about dating a clone of yourself. Let's not get into it. I I, I, I thought this conversation uh, uh, was interesting. I really liked (laughs) Betty's thing and how it tied into everything that was going on with her. Archie's thing, I wish, given that I believe his first sexual relationship was with Miss Grundy, I wish that that speech at the beginning had tied into what he was saying, what happened to him over the course of the episode a little bit more versus him talking about the light. I thought it was well-written. It was well-acted. Love always calling out Luke Perry, Fred Andrews. I thought that was wonderful. But there was also a level of like – I don't know. This is more of a world thing, but I'm certainly – there's too many people that are like, ah, baby's really going to fix things. It's really going to make things better. And it doesn't. It makes you tired and stressed out, and there's wonderful things about it that happen. But the idea that Archie, which, granted, is a very Archie thing, but Archie being like, yeah. a baby's going to fix this town. He's yeah. like, I don't, well, I don't think but so, I Archie. Don't know, I
2: don't know if he was saying like a baby's going to help us beat Percival. I think he was being more like... Throw the baby at Percival. No! No! <laughs> The one thing that's his palladium is a human mm-hmm. baby. <laughs> the, I, 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 I'm thinking on, on Archie's side, he's like, I want this. And I, he's always about moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he and Bet, Betty's all about sort of owning the darkness and sort of almost wallowing in it, perhaps a little too much. Um, and on the other side, Archie's like, I don't need to worry about that. It's in the past. And it's like, well, you do need to solve your problems and get over your trauma a little bit or deal with it um, before you can get over it. So I think that is where they deal with things in the opposite ways. But I think that's something that a lot of couples over time work together and help each other out. They're literally, that's why I think opposites do sometimes work in long-term relationships is because you really like whole grasp hands and pull mm-hmm. each other out of the problems you have.
0: I mean, I think that's an interesting point you bring up just in terms of how it ties into the overall mm-hmm. arc, which you know, wasn't stated out there, but the idea of Archie barreling forward, like you talk about, that's exactly what he does here. There's, I thought a very great classic Archie reaction about midway through the episode when Cheryl's like, we got to be really careful here and like figure out what Percival wants and work with the spell. And Archie's like, got it. And then breaks into his curiosity shop immediately to try to find the books and get the collateral back. And of course, Percival's one step ahead of him, left a cello for Miss Grundy. So I, I, again, like I think you're making an interesting point here, Justin, in terms of Archie's always looking to the future. He's like, we could have a baby, we could, it could be this bright light for Riverdale. Yeah. It's like, dude, no, you have to deal with the thing that happened 10 years ago first before you can move on with your life and create a family and be like, Riverdale is healed forever.
3: Yeah. I think it's pronounced Jello. <laughs>
0: Well, why don't we keep going with these storylines since we've started on them? And I know everybody crisscrosses. But since we're talking about the Archie thing already, we get flashes of Grundy throughout this episode. We get to see a zombie Grundy. And it all ultimately crests in Betty coming in with the heart glasses, the heart sunglasses that we first saw that's Grundy great. in back in the well played. premiere, and Make it forces off. Archie to come face-to-face and admit exactly what's been going on with him and that he hasn't dealt with it, to the point that Betty calls calls it out as grooming, and is like, we never used that word back in the day, that's yeah. what it was, you, this is something that you really need to deal with and move forward. So uh, what did you think overall about the storyline and also where Archie ended up here?
2: Uh, well, I, I, I thought mean, it was great. I, I liked the way it sort of moved through it slowly and sort of carefully um, getting to a point where Archie's not even over it by the end. I don't think it's just he's like aware of it.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I You got to be careful with how you is slowly and carefully for Riverdale, maybe. But yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of well, drama there. There's a lot of different things to unpack.
2: I'm not saying it was a um, work, psychological workshop here, but for what? Riverdale, Just it was... Like, uh, yeah, it wasn't that slow or careful, but I no, did like the fact Riverdale, that... For Riverdale, it was very well taken care of. Not even remote rib- for a television show with like 50 plot threads to take the time to really like tease out this issue for one of the characters and sort of not feel the urge to fully resolve it by the end, I that it was well done
3: okay all right um i just think that yeah it was very cool of betty to be like hey this is a little bit of maybe why you're kind of feeling this way explaining what uh helping him out with the grooming and i thought that was you know Uh, amazing of Betty, you know, Uh, she is a fantastic character. And I think that, um, you know, like Justin was saying, two opposites helping each other out through something. That was a great example of that, you know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Archie's lucky that he's in this relationship currently.
2: (laughs) And forever. Um, Two things I wanted to call out in this is, when um, the zombie Grundy's playing the cello in the music room, the sees, it cuts to P- uh, PP playing the cello in his shop. Yeah. Do you think he had to? He's act playing out- Archie's gu- guitar as a cello, as a cello, which is um, not recommended. Very hard, to uh, do. musically, yeah. very hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think he had to act out all of the curses all the time? Because that was a full time job for PP. I'm oh, sure.
0: like he needed to crawl out of an egg and pretend to be a spider.
2: Exactly. He did a lot of spider acting, I would imagine. Oh, and that's probably. the kind of stuff I want to see. Where's the BTS? Yeah, I
3: know. That would have been really fun. I'm, you know, we got the guitar, but I'd much yeah, rather. It wasn't a guitar. He was playing a cello. No, he had no, Archie's he, guitar it was,
2: as it was a cello. It was Archie's guitar as a cello in the show yeah, Really? That, it was like that yeah, was, the it was thing that sure connects that?
3: them. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay, I'll believe yeah. you guys. Yeah, seems crazy. Oh, you don't well, want to believe it. You know, I'll tell you what. Two I would of us throw can out, tell the difference between a guitar and a cello. Apparently, Alex, I used I would to throw play out, cello. I used to play cello.
2: I would cello, throw out so that I you know don't believe doing. us. I don't think you believe us still, and that's fine because yeah. you're a hardcover, and we're a couple of cheap old paperbacks just trying <laughs> to get by.
0: <laughs> we can after just I would help people, I'm just cheap. saying. After I would help people with computers at the library, I would go to the lobby of the library, play cello for two to three hours to entertain everybody. I got bad
2: news, Alex. You were playing a guitar the whole time. (laughs) It sounded weird. (laughs) And now another round of our favorite game show, Guitar or Cello, where we hold up a musical (laughs) instrument and the viewers have to, oh, we just got canceled because it's just too easy of a game show? Uh, (laughs) The other thing I wanted to call out is the um, RROTC guys who are just (laughs) outright heckling Archie through the yearbook. I was like, these guys... Don't know what they're getting into holding up the yearbook and being like, hey, hey, boss, um, look at this. Most likely to succeed. Oh, I don't think so. Um, that was great. So,
0: I also liked uh the thing that Archie seems to be te- teaching them based on the blackboard in the background, because it's like how to heal wounds and deal with people who are dying. There's some sort there's like four steps on there. I don't remember what they are off but it's like. Call for help. Stop the bleeding was the second step. So I don't know Good. what's going
3: on there in that class. Um yeah. but you think you should stop the bleeding and then call for help? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly okay. right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm Just saying. trying to follow your logic. Stop a little blood bit. first, then call for help. Yeah. Okay, I'm
2: just when you're in a situation knowing that you have to stop the bleeding as a as it is the whole thing. Nah, it's a little hard to know exactly. To <laughs> you can't shout the blood away.
0: So I, I like what you're saying, Justin, though, about this being the beginning of a storyline, and I also think it's a good step forward for Riverdale that almost felt purposefully like it was pushing against the idea of anything other than like, no, this is kind of like a sexy relationship in the first couple of seasons. Like it's cool. Don't worry about it too much. It's a big deal. And it's a big problem. And the fact that they are starting to broach that subject is good. I do hope that Archie continues to face up to it in some way. And we do get a little bit more of that. And frankly, the way that they're structuring the season so far, it feels like we might, because there are a lot more things that they're doing this year, that seemed to be tying together nicely, that actually seemed to be setting up things a couple of episodes down the road. Um, we get things like The Diary coming back from last season this episode. So there's a lot of continuity going on here, and it's nice to see. Uh, why don't we jump over to Betty, though, because that's the other half of that particular storyline, or at least the other half of that couple. And what she gets here is Comper, she is triggered to two memories that tie back into Hal, uh, that give her some information, potentially, about TBK and how he may be a family man. Specifically, she remembers a time that Hal was cleaning the car back when she was 12 with some bleach, and she realizes now, oh, he was probably cleaning a dead body. And then also another time that he put her to bed with a nightlight, and that's the what? creepiest nightlight of all time, not Very just a screaming, uh, screaming baby nightlight. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Where do you even buy those? Yeah, uh, which I'll, I'll mention. Somebody pointed this out on Twitter, but I and I haven't gone back to the episode to necessarily check how this uh, turned out, but that was one of Polly's baby shower gifts back in season one. Mm. I think Alice. So it's a floating baby. Yeah, it's a floating baby. Oh, wow. Maybe there's two floating baby nightlights. Uh,
3: But uh, answer your question, Justin, if you go to screamingbabynightlight.com, they got a Ah. great selection. Nice. Great.
2: Wow. Congrats on that website, Pete.
3: How How do we feel about what Betty
0: was dealing with overall, as well as the return of our favorite cheesesteak stalker?
3: Well, first off the, (laughs) uh, the use of the kind of like lighting and stuff uh, with the flashback to kind of give it this kid kind of like things are bright and not scary. And you, you don't see like the blood maybe that he has in the car because of the way it's shot and stuff like that. You can just see he's trying to scrub something. So like I thought that was so well thought out and creatively done that I really appreciated it kind of what they were going with there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I, you know, I agree. It's like one of those things where like smells or something, uh, can really bring you back and kind of like, uh, uh, kind of make you uh, remember something. So I liked the way that they did that. I thought that was, uh, really well done, even though it's like creepy AF. So like uh, that
2: time, that summer,
3: you bleached your hair when you were going to Lollapalooza. Nice try. I never bleached my hair, but I appreciate what you're trying to do.
0: Oh awesome, but you did go to Lollapalooza.
3: Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Busted.
0: Uh what did you think about this one, Justin?
2: Uh I I liked it. Um I I anytime we get to like using Betty going into her past, like her her sort of hardened exterior she's had for the last couple seasons, anytime we can get back into when she was younger and before she had that, I think will help her to sort of open up a little bit more because I do think that's what she needs to do and, and deal with sort of the darkness in her. We threw out that theory on last episode about how maybe uh, TBK is her um, imagination. She is sort of TBK. Uh, it's a, a did we talk about <gasps> that on last
0: episode or did we talk about that on the Patreon Slack? I think we talked oh, about I don't. that on the – it's all
2: –
3: No, I, together. was it? Yeah, Maybe. I don't, remember, so, I I don't we... remember talking about that. Maybe yeah, it yeah. we were talking. Talk about it. I'll
0: mention Patreon.com slash comic book club, but we were having a bunch of TBK. You can say it in a regular voice. No, definitely can't. Uh, we That's the were having voice. a bunch of TBK theory discussions there, based off of some folks were tweeting that Moose Mason returned because uh, he's looked... jacked like we saw TBJ. You're beat right. Beat... I want to apologize about that as well, Pete. Thank you, motherfucker. He was just—they were bulking him up with a lot of clothes. It was hard to tell. Uh, he definitely looked bear-like in the episode, but uh, somebody posted some shots of him w- in real life, Cody Kearsley wearing a tag top and then TBK in a tag top. And, he was like, eh, eh.
3: And, and just to save you some time in the future, we're also both right about the fucking guitar playing. And it's not a fucking <laughs> show. <up. laughs> okay. I, I don't he know. still we'll doesn't see. believe us. I love <laughs> yeah, it. What so the I fuck,
0: know. man? Maybe Literally a just said I don't really right. know. I oh don't know. Oh, my God. The uh, one other theory we are talking about, uh, which might be kind of terrifying and terrible slash fun, is if TBK is actually Betty's Fight Club situation. And yes. just because we haven't seen TBK Wait. with anybody else.
3: No, no, no. Yeah. I thought it was super clear, revealed in this episode, that it's a father... And that the dad knew her dad. And so when he was taken off, TBK kind of stepped up to watch Betty and take care of her.
2: And it could be that that is a revelation coming here. But let me throw out the idea that um, to absorb sort of both of these theories, Betty sort of developed this TBK split personality when she's trying to grapple with the fact that her father's a serial killer and that she, her fear of having those genes herself. So she developed a persona that could contain that fear and that sort of side of her personality, the dark Betty persona. And that's what she's dealing with um, with TBK. Maybe there was a TBK that died and she has since filled it in. Oh my um, God. Because the fact that the TBK is still around, it seems to be able to move wherever um, it wants and uh, doesn't seem to be. Killing a lot, but it's just popping up and vanishing. Like, there is something up here, and that theory makes a lot of sense to
0: me. We'll definitely see what happens, or possibly TBK is Dennis, and that's it. Um, yep.
2: Also could be Dennis. Be yeah, just could Dennis. be Dennis.
0: That's the most fun theory, I think, if TBK is Dennis. Just Dennis. Yes. What? And on that makes me think, Manus. though, so—
2: Mm-hmm. So then, does that mean that the cat briefcase that contains uh, toffee is that part of the um, the sort of split personality, or is that a very real thing that will be oh, for man. sale sometime guys, soon? I imagine.
3: <laughs> guys, you, what's going to happen is you're going to zoom out on Dennis, and you're going to see that he has a little slingshot in his back pocket, mm-hmm. and you know it was just it was all up, there, and we didn't see up, it before. Uh, Yeah, that could
0: happen. And I'll throw out last thing before we move on to another storyline. By the end of this, Betty has a really good lead, she thinks, in terms of TBK. So once again, Percival was very helpful here in terms of pushing her in the right direction on this TBK mystery. So good guy just really good guy let's move on talk about veronica and reggie two more people that percival helps out this episode so veronica (laughs) (laughs) after they break up reggie is dealing with his dyslexia from his childhood is popping up again and ultimately by the end teams up (laughs) with percival try and learn magic well yeah uh, so
2: let's talk about reggie first because like the first half of his story i was like the the horror of him trying to play cards and not being able to read them and the comic book and not be able to see what was happening. Like I thought that was really it, well done it, and scary. It, just,
3: it warmed my heart the way he went from cards to then looking at a comic book. Like that's his sacred, like, Oh, I know what this says. Like it really warmed my heart. So I re- really felt seen there. So I appreciated that. But yeah, I really <laughs> f- felt for Reggie there. I didn't mean to cut you off. Justin, go ahead.
2: No, I mean, I, I agree. I felt for him a lot. And then by the end of the episode where he's like, uh, what are you, a wizard? And he's like, yeah. I'm a magic man, shouts to Adventure Time real quick, Um, and he <laughs> wants to learn, teach me magic. I was like, Reggie, no, that's also magic, a wizard? It's not a Harry Potter situation, dude. I
3: do love the idea of uh, Reggie getting so worked up that he just walks in. And he's like, what are you, some kind of wizard? Like, what's your deal? Like, that's his big plan is to fun, confront but- him.
0: It also points to what we were talking about last episode. We were asking, now that Reggie is split from Veronica, what is his purpose on the show? And it seems like to learn magic from Percival and be one of well, his right-hand men.
2: And we sort of called that, I think, that Reggie is very vulnerable to be being persuaded to become a villain, which, um, according to uh, PP's little notebook, he is. Yes.
0: Why don't we talk about Veronica, though, because there are some wild things that happen in this storyline that we've touched on already, but she gains Black Widow spider powers and the ability to kill people with a kiss. She kills Geraldo and finds out the truth of her powers by the end of the episode. Uh, Also, she, of anybody, is like, I don't care about any of this. (laughs) Leave me alone. Take my painting. I don't want to be involved.
3: Yeah, Yeah. so I I feel like... uh, You know, breakups are hard. Uh, Veronica and Reggie going through it. I felt like, you know, I was a little upset. And Reggie uh, I felt like he cut a little too deep on his way out the door. Um, But I understand you're angry. You're frustrated. So um, but yeah, the fact I really loved how it started with Veronica being like, oh, you want that painting? Please take that. I've been trying to muster like she couldn't even cover it up all the way after the last episode. She was like, yeah, I'm going to cover this thing up and try to get it away. But it was still like the father still looking over her shoulder there in that shot. Um And we
2: yeah. real quick to interrupt there, Pete, like we talked about how the Brown paper is the, the weak weakness to all paintings, the palladium to, um, to a painting. And it doesn't work. It's half wrapped in the Brown paper. The painting was escaping from the wrap. It. It. it was like, yeah. oh, busted. Busted. Oh,
3: oh, you saw me. Yeah. Uh, but man, like, uh, I, uh, I appreciated her trying to kind of like own it a little bit and be like, yeah, get that thing out of my life. Also kind of like, you know, to jump out a little bit when they're all kind of dealing with the things on fire. Uh, I'm glad that, um, you know, Jug had went back for the thing that means so much to him. I'm just worried about what that means for his future. Veronica's
0: storyline, like I was saying earlier was, I think, the wildest, and part of it is because she wasn't exactly dealing with trauma, she was dealing with the emergence of her gift, her powers in the episode, but... They gave Camilla Mendes so many funny lines in this episode. When Percival comes in and she says, what are you, the library police? I laughed at that. And then the funniest line of the episode to me was after Geraldo dies, she calls Reggie on the phone and says, I got your gift and now a man is dead. Good going, idiot.
2: Idiot, yeah. (laughs) So funny. And honestly, this season, especially Veronica, treats death like it is someone tracked mud onto the carpet. And they, like, just rolls past it like, oh, another dead guy. Thanks, (laughs)
0: ex-boyfriend.
2: What a mess. Got to call up Betty's bestie, Dr. Curdle, to carry out Geraldo. (laughs) Um, It it was a wild story for her. I also thought it was crazy. She's, alone with Geraldo, he's like, why are you interested in me? And she's like, I find you so intriguing. There's almost nothing intriguing about although with what hey, we see on this show. You?
3: how Geraldo, dare
2: you? How dare you? He's stoic. He expresses no emotion. He's like the opposite of Archie. He just quietly kills people and then vanishes into the out the door. Very
3: intriguing. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> are you intrigued
0: by your mailman, Pete? Because he does that, too. Yeah. What, what are you talking about?
3: Uh, your mailman in? comes in, brings a mail, kills someone, and leaves. <laughs> It's <laughs> not true. And first off, my male person is Barbara, and she's amazing. All right. So, nice. so go F yourselves. Oh, I'll just Anyways. tell Barbara.
0: I guess you're not intrigued by her.
3: Oh, I'm very intrigued. She's living her best really? life, dude. Mm-hmm. I see her singing on the street as she's delivering mail. I want to be just like her. Anyways, I feel wow. like Geraldo uh, was kind of this kind of, you know, like somebody who was very kind of like, yeah, I'm a killer, whatever. I drink. I hang out. I like to have what fun. What is the sax I do? not That's know. not how he talks. <laughs> not how he talks at all. But I did think, though, they had a little something going on. I was a little bit like I was surprised because on the way out there, Reggie was like, yo, you're going to just hook up with Geraldo anywhere. I was hoping she wouldn't do that, you know? Uh, but she kind of, Reggie called it, so, uh, well,
2: yeah. for as much as Reggie was talking shit to his ex, I think it is true. And I understand why Reggie's pissed, because he's like, you keep bouncing between me and Archie. And Chad, Wick, uh, like, what? what's your deal? And I think that is, like, you can see it stings her a little bit, and I think it is a real issue. I and mean, that's why the fact that her power is killing people she likes ostensibly that she's kissing is really I, I'm excited to see that episode play out and see her dealing with sort of her her ongoing relationship
0: issues well not to jump too, too far next? what what did you say Pete who's she gonna kiss next well here's what I'm gonna throw out to you I don't know if you guys saw the promo for the next episode but she uh she Don't. can only, whenever she kisses somebody, she kills them. Who's the uh, guy who can't die in Riverdale currently? Oh! Ho, ho, ho. Wow. There's wow. a quick shot in the promo, and everybody's freaking out about it right now of Veronica kissing Archie. So,
2: well, that's going to be something.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I guess we'll have to see how that happens and how that plays out and why that plays out. Maybe they're. Throwing us a little bit of a swerve there. We'll Probably. See what, what Always playing on. with our emotions. Um, but I've just, yeah. th-
2: just one thought on that. Pete, if mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. Betty and Archie break up, but Betty and Jughead don't get back together, where does that leave both of us?
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, don't you fucking <laughs> what, put that what, out there. Then what are we?
2: Well, I think that's Don't the way, you put that out there. Just in general, we're the long Wait a second. Like no, me.
3: but did you. When Jughead took off his gloves, which he had amazing gloves; those were very elaborate and <laughs> cool. Um, when when he took off those gloves, did you hear Betty's reaction? She was so worried and heartbroken uh, by uh, by Jughead's hands. I think, you know, that was a sign that uh, you know she cares.
2: Yeah. Oh, she was definitely turned on. Would yes. be dying to what? have those turned hands on? close oh. to her face. Oh, she
3: cares. Whoa. Yes, they're
0: all friends. Jesus they're
3: Christ! Friends. Oh my God! But sometimes you you know. You need something like that to make you realize, wait, I I care more than a friend. Well, Pete, I don't know if you've seen the promo for the next episode. I haven't. It certainly seems
0: like in the next episode, Betty is going to explore what's going on with her memory and her repressed memories with a character who can read people's minds. Jughead. I'm talking about Jughead. Oh, my
2: God. A real mystery moment there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. um,
0: so I think, do think, I mean, this is getting ahead of ourselves, but I do think what they're doing now that Betty and Archie are past this uh, pregnancy question, I wouldn't call it a pregnancy scare because neither of them are really scared about it, um, pregnancy question, I think we're going to see the relationship see. challenged by... Veronica, in some fashion, coming back into Archie's life. Jughead, in some fashion, coming back into Betty's life. Whether that will actually do anything, I would speculate. I think they're going to come out and still be together, Betty and Archie, but we'll certainly see what happens. Riverdale is always... A wild ride. There's a couple of other things we should talk about. We should talk about Kevin's storyline in this episode because his book is Lord of the Flies. He seems to be, as we talked about the last episode, questioning Percival and his leadership. That crops up here with Percival essentially threatening him to get back the Lord of the Flies book. And by the end of the episode, Percival is kissing Kevin and Kevin is fully on his side. Uh, How do you feel about this?
3: Not great. Just can we please stop doing this to Kevin? Can we can, I, just it every time Kevin we think is going to be all right? That's just he makes horrible decisions, man. Feels so well, bad for Kevin,
2: I, and I think I, I feel bad for him too. I mean, like, you can't, I, I'm not blaming him for his choices. I think he has been lost for a long time. He sees Moose back in I, town and he I sort of likes this idea. Bit.
3: For the farm, I feel like he could have not said yes to the farm, but, but everything else I feel like he's been. A but I do obvious. think that
2: it just speaks to him being lost and sort of looking for a home, both in the relationships, as a person, uh, someone who will some people who will accept him for who he is. And that's what Percival is taking advantage of that here. Um, he He's offering Kevin a place, uh, sort of a relationship or a home where there are no secrets. I am those secrets, Kevin, is what he says. And Kevin is charmed by that, obviously. Um, so it's, it's sad to see, and I'm not loving it, but it, I understand why. And I, I'm at least, it offers me hope that he is not being um, controlled by PP in the same way that I feel like Alice is. He is just being sort of fooled by him. So there's a chance Kevin can break out of that and come through.
0: Yeah, overall, a very sad but very true-feeling storyline. Like we're saying, we feel for Kevin, we want better for Kevin. But the whole idea of feeling like once a piggy, always a piggy, that is something that people hold inside for their entire lives. And I thought that was a really good way of framing it. Honestly, I want more of that. Like, I want to delve into that, because whenever we really get into how hurt Kevin is and how alone Kevin feels it leads to some really good, really beautiful, dramatic stuff from Casey Cott. So give him more of a chance to play with that, you know? And yeah. potentially when I I would suspect he rails against Percival's control and he fights back about, against that, I think that's going to be really interesting and potentially very heartfelt and, again, very sad. So we'll see what happens. Yep. Let's talk about Cheryl. We touched on that briefly, but her whole thing is helping everybody with the whole sorcery, ultimately being totally fine with the spirit of Heather being in her bed and not really caring much about Jason's corpse in the trunk. She moves past that as well. So like Veronica, kind of, she's cool with everything. All episode. Well,
3: on. I mean, Cheryl's got a lot going on, you know, so I was happy to see her like involved in stuff and aware of the sorcery that's going on and being the kind of one to help them fight that. Um, but yeah, I just wish everybody kind of listened to Cheryl that like, hey, we have like a really evil foe that is taking us down one by one. And we got to kind of like try to team up and, 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 and fight better, come up with a plan instead of just always being on defense here because they're getting their butts kicked.
2: Yeah. But Cheryl seems ready to rock. She's just like, uh, whatever. Um, She's like dishing out lines. Uh, Bravo, nerd. Um, Calls peepee, you crumpet eating buffoon. Like she's she's fearless. And to see her sort of just operate that way here is a great sign. She's in complete control of her fire powers. Like she's gonna be an absolute warrior going into the back half of the season.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited, like we've been talking about, to see pretty much everybody together. The shot of Cheryl standing with the core four in front of the fire was great. Yeah. I don't know the last time yeah. we've seen anything like that, so that was really nice. But like Pete was saying at the beginning of the podcast, just bring we we gotta get Tody and Tabitha in there as well, as well as Fags, who was also off screen the entire uh episode. Yeah. So You know, we're close to this balance there, but not quite there. And it's I think they'll get there. I think we're going to get everybody working against each other or working with each other by the time the season ends.
2: And I think that's Mm -hmm. the point of the season. Like I was saying earlier, the fact that we're where we are now, like I know we maybe miss um, the characters you just mentioned, Alex, but we have to have some place to go and bringing um, Tabitha, Tony and Fangs into this mix as well so they can be fully united. It's going to be an Avengers Endgame situation by the Mm -hmm. end of this season. I'm calling it right now.
0: I think you're probably right. Do you think Veronica is going to say Endgame?
2: Oh, Um, I would. When does she stop saying and
0: She is. She's like. A,
2: she's like a Pokemon named Endgame. That's all she talks yeah. about.
0: She's going to say we are Riverdale's Endgame or something like that by the end of the season. It's i great. I yeah. did want to just. She's also in- to say we're Riverdale's Infinity War. Go ahead, Pete.
3: Uh, you had uh, mentioned it briefly, but I wanted to kind of bring it back. The uh, the phone call made from the the morgue. Was so creepy and so well shot and uh, just uh, there's nothing like someone holding a red phone to let you know that the call is important. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, that's
2: why I keep a full rainbow of phones at home and (laughs) when I pick them up, I'm like, this is the one that corresponds with the uh, status of this call.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, good to see, see Dr. Kirtle Jr. And surprising hello. to see him have a full conversation with somebody who isn't Betty. So there you go. Yeah. Good for him. Also very fun shot at the end. Just zooming into Veronica's lips. Just in case you're like, yeah. wait, whose lips are the poison? Oh, it's Veronica's <laughs> lips. Okay. Yeah, those lips we are seeing right now. Ah, any other notes from the episode that we should mention in particular before we wrap up here?
2: Um, anything else we want to say about Jughead? We didn't really cover oh, his yeah, that's story true. as a separate um, thing. Um, just funny that it's uh, the book barn is the real <laughs> thing that saves the day here. Um, so that must be uh, make you happy, Alex. This is a safer place to get books that mm-hmm. doesn't involve these fears you have. Exactly. Because you
0: can purchase them and keep them and you don't have to return them. Nobody's breathing yeah. down your neck, Barbara.
3: I I gotta say I uh, I can't <laughs> wait to go to that book barn in Pennsylvania and check it out, man. It's gotta got be so cool. Man. They yeah. got everything.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, storyline, like we talked about it earlier, was super gross and creepy. I also definitely have a thing about like nails being pulled
3: off. So, like you yeah. were saying, Justin, that was very Don't hard love. to watch. Did you and, guys like the uh, the plug for the Strand? Try mm-hmm. the Strand in For New York Smithers, City.
2: Smithers, I was like, that's like saying, like, um, oh, you want to go swimming? Try the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I know about oceans. That's not what I meant. Uh,
0: yeah, most of his storyline was him running from place to place, and like we talked about, it wasn't dealing with the trauma head on because we didn't really get to see it in the same way. You know, it, like yeah. If the spirit of his grandfather had popped up, I think it would have hit things a little harder, to be frank. Um, But as is, I think it was fine, and it tied into Joe overall arc, so I enjoyed it.
3: Stop saying that. We want what? you to be Alex, you fucking asshole. What are you? Um, <laughs> I, also, the the other phone call that was hilarious was you know Benny getting a call from your mom, just being like, "Hey, I completely sold you out. Gave the bad guy all your horrible secrets." What time do you want dinner? I was thinking maybe six, six thirty. Maybe doing a roast. Uh, what do you just? Well, I mean, Alice,
2: Alice has done a lot throughout the course of this show. Sure has. Both good, bad. Do you think Mostly she's going to come, come out of this and we're going to be like, yeah, Alice, fine, back. Date Frank, this is That's great.
0: every season, though. That's exactly what happens. We're like, well, no way Alice can come back from this. And then yeah. she does. <laughs> because she just well, does. What's,
2: I don't think she can be undercover for the FBI in this situation <laughs> like she was for the farm.
0: End of the season, you have Alice be like, well, that was weird. Anyway, back to the news. Oh, my God. Mm, right. That'll be it. Now let's go to I sports. say about the episode is Percival continues to be a great villain. Love his great delivery villain. on so many things. Um, in the montage in particular, there were two reactions. The sort of almost imperceptible frustration when Veronica takes out her checkbook. is like, all right, how much do you want for the fine? And then he twists to being like, well, in some states it's a misdemeanor to do this. I thought it was great. And his reaction yeah. when Reggie immediately pulls out the dyslexia book and he just gives a laugh. I thought was really good as well. So even though he is detestable throughout all of this, Chris O'Shea continuing to kill it episode after episode as a villain. I'm really enjoying watching him. Yeah. He's very charming. He's charmed our friend Alex over here. Yeah. Love it. Team Percival day and night, all day or day before we wrap up here, let's talk about the MVP of the episode. Who is MVP? Justin, let's go to you first.
2: Oh, well, I think I'm going to go with an outsider pick here and go with Dr. Curdle like coming in strong bringing bringing the the energy it's crazy we talked about how dr curdle's energy throughout this series is like it's how weird this guy in the basement is and it's crazy he's just a recurring character in the show and the show has since then moved the entire tone to dr (laughs) curdle dr curdle has been curdling this whole time and i love it it's great to see him close out this episode with some great stuff
0: Uh, I'm going to throw it out to Archie this episode, actually, just because I thought the Grundy storyline was really well done and the way that K.J. Appa plays... This push and pull between, you know, worst parts of his nature is too strong, but him, like, breaking into the store and being like, I'm just pushing forward. I'm going forward. I'm doing this thing. And ultimately having to deal with the trauma I thought was done very realistically and really well. And though it's going to be hard to watch, if they do deal with it more in the future, that's going to be a really good, very palpable, dramatic storyline for them to have. So I think that would be good. Pete, what about
3: you? Who is your MVP this episode? Well, well since Justin MVP- took mine. My- I'm going to go with Geraldo. Uh, You know, I'm glad that, you know, we got to know you a little bit. I'm sorry we don't get to know more. Uh, Thank you for what you brought to the the show. I
2: hate to interrupt you, Pete, but like, what do you mean you got to know Geraldo? Shout out two things you know
0: about. (laughs) Two separate
2: things you know (laughs) about. And
0: one of the things is not the weird accent that you did earlier.
3: Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, He's he's good at uh, his job. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is? uh, Killing people. Okay. And um, he's, you know, he can rock a uh, black turtleneck like nobody's business.
2: Nice. Right. I wouldn't call that part of his personality, but <laughs> sure.
3: <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if I can pull that off. He does it. Fair enough. Man. If
0: you would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark.
2: You're all cuckoo bananas, but whatevs.